I think we got it. Cool. I don't know if I, I didn't hear yours, so I wasn't sure. But I I'm, didn't hear I'm yours either, so I think that's do. just the nature of the thing. It probably cut out, yeah, too loud or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. All right. All right. Well, um, I'm super excited to talk about this because there are things that I really loved about the Obi-Wan show, mm -hmm. and there are things that I outright despise about it. So it's going to be a good conversation. I think. Absolutely. Because also, <laughs> as I said in the DMs, I think we're very much from like different generations when it comes to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So definitely. that'll definitely make it you're, you're much bigger on the uh, on the prequel side of things, right? I wouldn't say bigger. It's just sort of by the time I was conscious, the prequels were like an established thing. Whereas you, from what I gather, you experienced Star Wars when the prequels were not yet just part of Star Wars, right? Right. Yeah. Like I had I had fallen in love with Star Wars probably when I was about like seven. And so that means there was probably four or five years where all I had were the originals and then the prequels came out. And I remember at the time I was like, the first one was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I've kind of gotten a little eh on them as, as things gone on. I don't even think I saw um, Revenge of the Sith in theaters, which is just insane to me now mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm thinking about that. Uh, but um, yeah, so my, my journey with Star Wars has been one of like, I love this thing sometimes. <laughs> I think that's everyone's... Uh current relationship with it though to be honest <laughs> that's probably fair and true um before we get going too far in let's go ahead and knock out the like let people know who you are and and where they can find you who are you what do you do where can they find you uh hi i am oceans i am a youtuber slash d-list micro internet celebrity i guess um <laughs> if you ever call me an influencer i might do violence on you only might <laughs> My dad called me an influencer <laughs> once. The stare I gave him, oof. Um, <laughs> did you see him age before your eyes, like like in, uh, in uh, Indiana Jones? No, but I did see him like immediately notice that he had made a mistake. <laughs> it's it's fine. That's I don't great. care that much. But um, yeah, so I'm a, <laughs> I'm on YouTube. I make a lot of videos on like anime stuff, uh, just nerd culture in general, uh, gaming, big monster hunter guy. So if you care for that. Check me out on YouTube or on Twitter. You can find me as Oceans, Oceanis, however you want to pronounce it. That's me. <laughs> I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching you uh, slowly go insane as you hate MHA more and more. <laughs> oh, dude, that video! Like, I'm gonna we're gonna stop recording. I'm gonna go and finish editing that video. <laughs> I am excited to see it. All right. Um, okay, but yeah, so today, just so everyone knows, we are going to probably at least start talking about Obi-Wan, um, but I expect that this will go kind of all around all of Star Wars at some point or another. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's sort of the way that I'm, I'm expecting this to go. Uh, so going into Obi-Wan, what were your like kind of expectations and hopes for it? Well, I had one thought like going into it, which is that this is the one that needs to be good. Right, like mm -hmm. this is. I don't care about any of the other Disney Plus schlock, to be honest. Like I have only really watched the um, like you know, the Marvel series and whatever, because yeah, you know, you need something to watch in the evening after after supper, mm -hmm. um, with the girlfriend. But this one, <laughs> Obi Wan, was the one thing I absolutely needed to slap because it's you know, it's a beloved character. It's a very very beloved actors reprising their roles. Um, you know, and it's right sort of when the prequels, you know, are having a bit of a resurgence in popularity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So those are my expectations and hopes, I guess. Um, I, I also hoped for a lot of raw Vader shit. Um, yeah. I mean, that I think was the one thing that like, if nothing else, they had to make Vader 
as awesome as possible. And I think that that's one place where they like unabashedly succeeded. Every yes. scene in this show where Vader is there is my favorite scene of the show. Like yes. they they were they did amazing with him, uh, especially jumping right to the end, the final fight with him and and Obi-Wan when he like has his mask cracked open and it's it's actually Hayden getting to to like do the acting for all of it. Mm-hmm. I think personally that is hands down and easily the best acting I've ever seen out of him and my favorite moment from him as Vader by far. Like, Absolutely. It's incredible. His his little uh, monologue of you didn't kill me, you didn't kill Anakin, I did. I got I get literal chills every time I watch it. It is so good. Yeah, I know. Like when um when we finished the series, me and my girlfriend, I tucked her into bed, logged onto my PC, and immediately rewatched that scene. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. When I wa- when I saw it, I I finished the show and was like. Okay, I just I have to watch that fight scene again, and I, I mm-hmm. did the exact same thing, which is like, oh my god, this is so good, uh, and that was very comforting to me because a lot of this series did not live up to how good Vader was in general. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to give credit to Disney for one thing, it's that the way they've handled Vader across media has been honestly almost ten out of ten every time. Like um, I would, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, hundred percent. Because he's he's become like a movie monster in in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like he was always badass and intimidating, but now it feels like he is just this unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have um, you know, you have uh, that scene in Rogue One, you know, the one everyone remembers. Oh, the the, the good one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I rewatched Rogue One recently, and it was actually not that bad. Like it's I, fine. Uh, you know what I say? I say the good one. What I'll say is. The second half of that movie is is really really good. The first half of that movie is a slog. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's, fair that's, enough. That's that's that like when they, once they get to Yavin or whatever the name of the planet is, the the Imperial planet, everything mm-hmm. gets really good. Yeah. Before that, it's just kind of like okay, I don't really like any of these people except that robot. Can we mm-hmm. can we can we move this along? <laughs> have you um have you played Jedi Fallen Order? Yes, it's so good, and I know I know where you're gonna go. Yeah, the, the final fight with Vader. Well, fight. Current objective, run. <laughs> yes. I I absolutely love that the little, like, data entry for his, like, Monsterpedia little uh, thing just says, you cannot hope to win. The only thing you can do is hope to survive. Like, that's just like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And um, have you also read the comics, like the Vader runs? I have not read as, like, all of them, but I have read a significant amount of them, and I love them right they are so good like and i'm i am i am like so (laughs) i'm the kind of person who when i play a rpg i can't stand to do like the the evil actions half the time like if even if i go into it intending like no i'm gonna do the bad guy run this time i'm gonna go full evil by like 25 percent of the game i'm just doing the same thing i always do which is be nice and try to help make everyone's world better Mm -hmm. yeah um but Despite that, every time that Vader is just an unabashed monster and bastard in that series, I'm just sitting there cheering like, yes, this this is what I want. This mm-hmm. is what I need. This is Vader, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's such a fascinating character because he is so often a villain that we all kind of want to root for because we've we've had so much experience with the character and like seen so much of his life that we all understand innately like, yeah, he's a complete monster – but we know why he's doing what he's doing. And we also, I think just because it's Anakin and the Clone Wars series especially, like mm-hmm. we all kind of just want to root for that guy, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's like the thing with Vader is especially with like the context of the prequels, um, you know, acting aside, uh, Anakin does <laughs> generally come across more like a victim than a perpetrator most of the time. Like, sure, you have like, you know, uh, the sand people thing, which, hey, that's not great. But um, at the same time, like, especially in Revenge of the Sith, it's just like everyone's manipulating him and uh, everyone's just trying to get him to do what they want. And for someone who was a literal slave for all of his childhood, and then he tries to make one choice and it makes him a slave for life and turns him into a machine. Like, yeah, you, you kind of just feel bad for a guy. And so when he does, yeah, I... when he does something cool, it's like, yes, rage against the world. <laughs> I think for me, so so not too long ago, maybe maybe a year or so ago, um, we, whenever the the most recent Star Wars movie was coming out, we were mm-hmm. we were watching all of the prequels back to back, and like we did all we did all of the movies back to back. But like uh, the the um, the thing with Anakin in that's in in that viewing for me was that I I was trying to like divorce myself from my feelings about Star Wars and just like analyze these as as movies. And the thing that really stuck out to me about Anakin is that he is, to me at least, creepy from the beginning in these in the, in that movie. Not, well, not the beginning. The first movie is he's is a not one to talk about. I mean, yeah, that that he's fine there. Um, mm-hmm. It's when he is like when we see him in in uh, Attack of the Clones and and all that. He is super creepy and super yes. weird to me in even those early scenes. And so. <laughs> my my fan theory about this is that he is accidentally using the force to force Padme into falling in love with him because that's oh, the only way that I can see it happening. <laughs> but I'm I'm sure that that is not actually the case. <laughs> but that that was my my idea on on watching that time. Mm-hmm. But I do see what you mean about like this is someone who, for most of his life, has not been able to make really meaningful choices about who he is and what he will be. He's He's always, I think, tried to do the right thing, but he's also someone who is uh, very easily overwhelmed by their emotions, which is the exact opposite of what a Jedi really wants to be, you know? Right, and I think also a big thing that... like You mentioned emotion, but I think the biggest emotion with him is just impatience. You know, like, the whole thing yeah. where... I mean, especially once you start getting into, like, the politics of, like, the prequels, right? You have basically Padme, who's very much sort of like, oh, you know... Um, things take time, there needs to be, like, deliberation and uh, discussion and diplomacy, and Anakin every time is like, why, though? Like, yeah. why so wait? Often, like, especially especially in the in the prequel, or in the, the, the Clone Wars TV show, like, you can see a big part of why that would be because so often he can just go out and just do whatever he thinks needs to be done and have it done instantly. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not because he is so powerful in that series because i i don't feel like that came across very well in the movies but i think in that series they really do get across how badass this guy is he can do just about anything it seems which makes it all the more painful i'm sure to him when he is so limited Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it also i think honestly a big part of how creepy he is especially in attack of the clones also just comes down to like his costume design because he has like this awful like ponytail and uh yeah the little the little padawan rat tail thing yeah and he also has like i don't know what they did but he has like these really creepy like eye bags that make him just look Mm. like he's always planning some absolute nasty stuff and then honestly (laughs) in in revenge of the sith until he turns evil he looks mostly fine 
Like, he, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, he, he and looked, they do do a good job of like having him be in like all dark robes and that kind of thing to contrast with Obi Wan, which I really like as a as a subtle detail. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I, I do think that they did a better job with him there. And I think that by that point, George was letting him act a little more because that's another yes. part of what makes him so creepy in Attack of the Clones is that he is. I think because of the way that he was directed, he is very like monotone and very shut down emotionally. And so that all kind of pushes him towards like an almost uncanny valley type yeah. of, of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, um, the other thing, of course, with him in uh, Revenge of the Sith for me is also just, I don't know, because we get to see like I rewatched I finished watching that movie with my girlfriend literally yesterday so it's all very fresh mm. and like one thing that really stuck out to me is how much like the prequels are really fast paced aside from um Phantom Menace which I didn't even bother rewatching cuz that movie sucks <laughs> um but but I it really stuck out to me how much emphasis and time is devoted to just how shitty everyone treats Anakin at the end of the day like everyone is just like yeah, do this I feel thing like- and I feel like everyone but Obi Wan and and Padme are that way. Yeah, I could yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah, and that and I think that really sort of um, just makes him more sympathetic in that movie. Like I think everyone agrees generally that Revenge of the Sith is the best movie out of the prequels. Generally, yeah. <laughs> my my co host for for most of these episodes that I do, he is adamant that he he like hates that movie because he thinks that one's the most boring one. He really likes uh, Phantom Menace. Actually, I I think the worst is is still Attack of the Clones. Like that's that's easily the one that I hate watching the most. But I I agree definitely that uh, Revenge of the Sith is the best. If you haven't read the novelization of that one, by the way, like it's amazing. Like, okay. Not as a, like it takes bad material and makes it good, but like, no, genuinely it's one of my favorite books to read. It's that good. Okay. Okay. Damn. Um, in that case, I'll check it out. Cause I'm, I'm in a bit of a star Wars stint right now. Anyway, like, um, mm. I finished watching uh, Kenobi and I went on to the steam sale and just bought every star Wars game I could think of. <laughs> nice. Like a res- like a responsible adult, you know? <laughs> yeah that's exactly what a responsible adult does that is yeah. the correct decision <laughs> yeah um also oh i just remembered something i wanted to say about Anakin's hairstyle because actually i did uh something that i uh that is very uncharacteristic of me i did my research um i did my homework and i actually watched like a whole <laughs> bunch of like uh dvd extras and uh interviews regarding both the original trilogy and the prequels uh not the sequels because nice. who cares um but uh, apparently, like, Anakin's haircut in uh, Attack of the Clones was a huge thing on set, like, what they were trying to do with it. And really? it took, okay. apparently, months to figure out what they wanted him to look. Um, huh, okay. And before the rat tail had settled in, they wanted a mohawk. Are you serious? Yeah, like, complete bald <laughs> on the sides and just massive mohawk. Oh, wow. I... <laughs> it is hard for me to imagine how hard it would have been for me to take that seriously. Because uh-huh. even as a kid, I I was not into like the the punk aesthetic. It has mm-hmm. never been my thing. Mm-hmm. But a, a full on mohawk would have been hilarious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I think in the thing they talk about how they really wanted to contrast with um, Obi Wan and um, like the other Jedi masters, sort of Qui Gon that we had seen. Well, who like you know had this very flowy, very you know, neat hair hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. And so they just wanted something <laughs> fucked up, basically. <laughs> 
Well, to be fair, they kind of succeeded. I mean, I don't think they full on got the the direction they wanted to. I think if they really wanted to do that, maybe what they should have done is just have him be bald in that movie because that could reflect interestingly on uh, how he looks when he's, you know, finally Vader and he's all hairless and all that. Yeah, yeah. And it could also reflect sort of in how he looks when he's Vader before the suit, you know, with his when he actually does have the long flowing unleashed hair instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, captivating like a military buzz cut. Um, Right, right. Because that's it. Okay, yeah, what are you going to say? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, go ahead. If you got something more, go for it. No, I was just going to say, like, uh, the Jedi really, they they really are, like, this warrior monk strict cult until they aren't. Yeah, that's always struck me as very strange of, like, (laughs) they'll say stuff like, you know, you can't be uh, in love or anything like that until, like, Ki-Adi Mundi is over there with, like, his 37 kids because, like, his planet needs to repopulate or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's, it's so strange to me that they're, um... All the rules in Star Wars are only rules until they want to tell a different story this time. Yeah. Which makes it kind of difficult a lot of times to take seriously in some ways. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, the whole thing with like, oh, we have no, you you can't have like worldly attachments feels very sort of, you know, religious, like Buddhist um, or even or sure, like, yeah. like Christian. But then you just have Obi-Wan in uh, Attack of the Clones just downing alcohol in that bar when they're looking for <laughs> yeah, the just, like, changeling. T- doing shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I am always, uh, unhappy with the general state of religion in media, but that is an entirely different conversation. Oh yeah, conversation. I mean, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but I do think, like, what one thing the prequels do well, now that I've rewatched at least Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, I think mm-hmm. it makes a good case for why the Jedi were so shitty. Like yeah, a lot of these, I would mo- agree with that. Yeah, like a lot of the mo- a lot of those movies are basically just the Jedi seeing a problem and saying we have to think about whether or not we accept that this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, and then of course one thing that struck me this time was the fact that you know um, when Palpatine says he's attacked by the Jedi in a plot, um, it's one of those things where if you just take it at face value like okay why does anyone believe him because i mean the jedi are like these peacekeepers or whatnot but then in attack of the clones there's that scene where obi-wan just fucking chops off that changeling's arm in a populated bar doesn't explain anything and just drags them off and i just think as like a normal civilian there god that must leave an impression about what the jedi are right like just arm off You've you've got to think that that is happening fairly often, and like yeah. you know, it's it's not a world where media doesn't exist. So there's got to be like the it, Star Wars equivalent of YouTube compilations of, hey, look, this Jedi walked in and cut off someone's arm, you know? Yeah, and like, <laughs> you know, from the perspective of a civilian, that's a uh, unaff- like non-affiliated peacekeeping force that constantly does shit without anyone giving them the yes to do it. And yeah. from that perspective, I- you know. The Chancellor saying, oh, yeah, they attacked me because they weren't happy with me is like, yeah, absolutely. That's what the Jedi do. Yeah, I could I could 100 percent believe that. I think that in a uh, time period like, say, the the KOTOR time period where you also have these like psychotic, monstrous, almost demonic, uh, basically space wizards walking around doing just terrifying things. Mm-hmm. You could really explain that a lot more of like, no, we need people with laser swords around because like they're kind of, you know, a little creepy most of the time, but generally they're nice if you're not being a dick. Mm-hmm. These guys though, they will just go crazy at a drop of a hat. And like, I saw my cousin get hit with force lightning. Do you even know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my, my girlfriend kept asking me how force lightning works, and I kept having to tell her, look, I don't know. 
<laughs> uh, the space wizard does the force lightning, and you can't do it if you're a good guy unless you read some spe- very specific books, and even then, it's not quite the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, R- roll with it, I guess. Yeah, just like, <laughs> just don't think too hard about it because George didn't either. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is something I have always appreciated about the force is that because it most of the time seems to have very strict rules, but every now and then it will whip out something crazy like Force Lightning was when it originally popped up. Mm-hmm. It it has this sense of an organic magic system that I think is really easy to lose in. Because uh, like a lot of things that are created for magic systems right now are very specific in what they can do and what the rules are and all that. And so it loses a little bit of that sense of wonder that I think a good magic system really needs. Yeah, and I think that stuff like that where just some crazy weird shit will happen occasionally with the force really helps it feel that much more separate and other than, than most magic systems. Yeah. Like, uh, one thing that I appreciate a lot on this rewatch, cause we also rewatched, um, the original trilogy. Well, actually for me, it was a rewatch for, it was the first time seeing anything star Wars. Um, and really? yeah. And she, wow. ne- like, it, it's been a, it's been a battle trying to get her to watch it. Cause she kept insisting that she doesn't need to watch him. She already knows the plot. Uh, spoiler. She didn't actually know that much. <laughs> I shouldn't say that too loud. <laughs> um, I, I really want you to do like a, a postmortem now that you finished him of like, just hang out with her and, and do a video of like, okay, tell me about star Wars. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> well, maybe i'll do it but my actual point was that on this rewatch what one thing one line that i really appreciated is when yoda in um i think um empire he says Mm -hmm. um the force is my ally and Mm -hmm. that's really stuck with me because when you look at sort of the force powers that the jedi get and the force powers the sith get the sith get these like unnatural crazy abilities you know you get the force line you get the choke in the comics vader can like pop eyeballs and shit um, mm-hmm, whereas mm-hmm. the Jedi get very subdued abilities. They get, you know, future sight. They get, um, the ability to, you know, trick weak people, weak people's minds. They get, you know, for a force push here and there and really sort of sold me on the idea that the force for the Jedi is really just sort of a thing that they can call upon for help rather than a power that they can direct. Whereas with the Sith, they like wrangle it using their emotion as fuel. And that is why it is, huh. uh, yeah. Sith powers are inherently so much more destructive and so much more powerful, at least seemingly. Because you can sort of force the force, haha, to do stuff. Whereas the Jedi are more about the peace and about the harmony w- existing within this, you know, energy that connects the universe. And that's why their powers yeah. are more, like, you know, more mental, more psychological. Besides the force push, but that's cool, so we'll ignore it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm, I'm currently attempting for uh, the the seventh or eighth time to finish the wheel of time series Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if you've ever read that but the idea in that is that there are two separate magic systems there's one for men and there's one for women Mm -hmm. and the way that they enter they both come from the same source but the way that they both interact with that system is very different uh men have to kind of like the what you're talking about with the sith they have to like force it to do what they want they have to like take control of it and, Mm -hmm. and direct it Whereas the way it's explained for women is much more of a, it's more of a surrender and you go with it rather than trying to directly control it. Okay. And that, that feels much more like the, the Jedi explanation of that. And so mapping it onto that is, is kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a, that is an interesting way to look at it of taking that line from, from Yoda. There's, that's what I really do love about that uh, movie in particular is it does so much 
world building with so little. Like there's just so many little lines that you can really dig into and be like, okay, what does this mean for the grander scheme of this universe? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, okay, this is an empire, but in A New Hope, I only noticed this or caught it in this rewatch, but um, uh, Tarkin mentions that they've dissolved the set, the Republic Senate. Mm -hmm. And I was yeah, like, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> That's not something the prequels made up. What the fuck? <laughs> it's it's actually when I when I think about that, it's crazy to me that it lasted as long as it did. Honestly, mm -hmm. like <laughs> it it seems like uh, it would not have taken uh, Palpatine all that long to completely erase all of that. Um, but I guess he he just like found them useful up until that point. Yeah, because I mean, especially the prequels are very much sort of about how um, you know when when uh, complacency creeps its way into politics eventually it all turns into a dictatorship because there's no one to like oppose the bad guy and everyone's yeah. just so you know busy with trying to secure their own positions or busy doing short-term decisions and so in that sense i do kind of like the fact that it took so long for the republic to completely be dismantled because it kind of emphasizes this idea that the worst takeovers are not the violent ones it's the ones where liberty dies to thundering applause where it's just mm -hmm. where you vote in the people that will eventually take away your right to vote yeah i mean it, <laughs> i don't want to go go too too political on this uh but my my opinion on that sort of thing has always been that power is inevitably going to be abused that's just mm -hmm. the way human nature is we we will if there is a way to abuse power we will find it and we will use it even if we think we're doing the right thing at the time mm -hmm. um and i think that what's fascinating about the prequels in that sense is that you can see that through palpatine of someone who is actively trying to abuse their power but you can also see it with the uh jedi in how they are extraordinarily arrogant in the way that they use what power they have, not just the the force powers to like walk into a bar and cut off a dude's arm. But I mean, even the way that they handle Anakin or the way that they're like, oh, someone made an army. Yeah, we'll just take that and use that. There's not going to be any lasting repercussions from that. This will be mm -hmm. fine. We're, mm -hmm. we're Jedi. We can do this. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways that you can see how power is being abused in that entire era of Star Wars. I think they do an even better job of that in um, the the Clone Wars. I'm, I'm going to repeat that like 17 times because I want everyone to go watch that series now that I've, I've finally started watching it myself. Yeah, I've downloaded um, all of it, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, oh, dude, it is. Okay, first season, rough. Like pretty, pretty rough. You can almost even skip it. But like, <laughs> well, uh, that, well, guess what? Someone, so good. someone made an ocean cut of it. <laughs> are you serious that's amazing I yeah love it's that. called the tv cut or the tv film cut and it basically takes all of the content that's relevant and turns it into i think it's 30 movies nice i and want the, to check that out that yeah the amazing. finale is um is mixed in with uh, revenge of the sith and it's like a four and a half hour movie that just takes everything that wow. happens simultaneously in the clone wars with revenge of the sith and intercuts it Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's how um, I'm choosing to watch it. So I'll be very excited once I have the time. That's definitely got to be the way to do that. Like, I want to I wanna do that, too. That I'll have to look at that. Um, yeah, I'll send you the link later if you want. Absolutely. Please do that. Absolutely. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, man. Okay. So my wife just walked in, and it's completely derailed my, my train of thought. She's gone now. She was just waving by. Um, oh, okay. But, uh, oh, I know where we should go next. Um. So <laughs> this ostensibly started as a conversation about Obi-Wan, and I right. do want to get back to that. Uh -huh. uh, so 
I I think that everything they did with Vader was great. I think that everything they did with Ewan was great. And everything else, I am skeptical at best, I think is maybe the, the way I could I could put it. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I think I'm most disappointed with uh I think her character's name is Reva, third sister. Yep. Yep. And it's frustrating because I can see a lot of what they were trying to do with the character, but it's bothersome to me that the way that she was handled in terms of what choices she was given and what she was, I think, allowed to do uh, because she they were trying to go for a redemption story. To me, watching it, it felt like they were afraid to let her do anything too bad or too evil because they wanted the audience to sympathize with her at the end. And that is the, the, the worst possible instinct when you are trying to create a redemption story. Mm-hmm. You want to push the character as far into the dark as you can so that when they're pulled back out into the light, it it feels impactful. It feels like they've gone on a real journey. Mm-hmm. Instead, like the only people that she's like actively evil to are people who are also incredibly evil. Like the only person that I thought she had killed for the entire thing was that one uh, Inquisitor guy that was like vaguely racist to her. Mm-hmm. And so like it, instead of it feeling like she is um this badass evil Sith, you know, climbing her ranks, it feels like they want you to like her, which if it's a villainous character, that's just the worst, That that's not the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are just, your thoughts on, on that character? Well, it's interesting because I actually really fucking hated her the first time she showed up because I think one of her first scenes is when she's asking about Obi-Wan's location and a lady says that she doesn't know anything and she just chops her arm off. Yeah. Like that, and, um, you know, so that, I don't know if I necessarily agree that she was too likable at the start. I do agree that her arc is a mess. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say at the start. I mean, I do mean through throughout. Because like okay. even <laughs> this is this is bad, but it's Star Wars. I feel like arms just get chopped off every fifteen minutes in Star Wars, Fair enough. and so <laughs> it doesn't seem like a real injury to me at some points. Fair um, enough. And I mean, I had I had I had forgotten that she had done that though. But yeah, no, I, I see what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so do you have your tin tinfoil hat on? Because um, here's here's one. Not always. Well, I I don't know how hot of a take this is. Um, this movie was one hundred percent planned as a film. Like yes, yes. W- okay, we can take the hats off in that case. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, this is this just reeks of planned and written as a movie, and then fairly late in production, it got shown to someone who had PTSD from Solo, uh, not doing well, and told mm-hmm. them, no, no, mm-hmm. make this a show. Because honest to God, the whole thing about Reva going to Tatooine and finding Luke feels like it was written in an afternoon. It is baffling to me that they did that. Like, okay, let me let me at least lay out some of the problems that I have with that real quick. Uh-huh. She, okay, her whole thing through this is that she is doing a complicated plan to get back at Vader, it seems like. Like, she is a Sith so that she can climb the ranks, get close to Vader, and try to take him down. That that seems to be where they are aiming her, even though it's sort of questionable, I think, based on some of the stuff that goes on and, and that she says. But I think that's that's where they want you to, to get the idea at the end, right? Mm-hmm. She overhears Obi-Wan talking about Luke on Tatooine, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, through, through a communicator that one of the other characters that I think is the worst character in this entire show or at least handled very badly Mm -hmm. uh drops but um and so she decides that she is to hurt anakin i assume going to go and kill his son 
that Vader doesn't know about that she really shouldn't know is his son. And so there's no reason for us to be to know why she is doing this in the first place. And then it is also not going to hurt Vader because presumably Vader is not the type of person to care. Like, I don't see any reason that this character would assume, oh, this son that he has never known about him dying would be a big deal to Vader. That Mm -hmm. uh, Vader is in this show an implacable, terrifying monster that basically kills on whims Mm -hmm. and, and will do it in a worse way if he thinks it is uh, more likely to help him. Like none of that, None of that tracks. There's there's no reason for her to do this. And then on top of that, at, from a meta perspective, I know that whatever is going to happen between her and Luke and Obi-Wan can have no real effect on anything because it, 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 it can't for Luke to be the character that he is who has clearly led a very boring life on Tatooine up until the mo- moment when he and Obi-Wan jet off to, to go save Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, so... All of this is just built in every way to take away impact and to take away uh, reasons to think that this would make sense or be what these characters are, are driven to do. It is it is a it is a series of incredibly baffling uh, decisions to me that they they even got to this point. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like this stuff to me is like the artifact of a panicked oh god oh fuck. Uh, we need an extra <laughs> subplot because you mentioned the inclusion of Luke, which is ba- baffling. But there's other stuff that I think is even more telling, namely the fact that she goes to Tatooine uh, with a lightsaber wound that seems to go untreated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she manages to find exactly where, um, you know, exactly the right spot on Tatooine to ask someone who would then know where uh, the Lars uh, farm is, which, you know... I know Star Wars pretends that every planet is only one city, but still, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not only that, she she does this. So the way this series of events plays out is Obi Wan escapes the the planet with the um, underground railroad for Jedi's. Mm-hmm. He he does that. Vader and she fight immediately after that. Vader takes her down, and Vader leaves to go chase after Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. While that chase is still happening, she has recovered enough from her wound to get a ship, get to Tatooine, and find someone to ask before even like Obi Wan has been done his like I'm just gonna sacrifice myself and go fight Vader on my own thing. Like the the, the compression of time for this is giving me like fever dreamed fa- flashbacks to. Uh, Game of Thrones and its worst moments with that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it really feels like they needed another subplot to fill an episode, and they just sort of decided, hey, what's a name we can drop that will immediately, like, get people's attention? Oh, my God, next mm-hmm. episode, we're Luke's in danger. Whoa! You know, like... It, <laughs> yeah. It really feels like it was kind of a save. And this is just one of the reasons why I think this was made originally as a movie. The other one is just the fact that the series has not enough content. For a series, mm-hmm. it's true. It it really it really doesn't. They are are stretching hard in a lot of these places to make this to make this work. <laughs> you, we joked about it in the DMs, but I genuinely would watch an ocean cut of this. Like <laughs> it it is. Uh, I think the material is maybe there. There's some stuff that it would be hard to get around, though. Um, unfortunately, but oh. yeah, I think honestly, you would have to. The thing, if I if I had to make an ocean cut of this, I think what I would do is I would take away everything I don't like, 
and then explain it away in the opening text crawl, which I would add because it's a Star Wars mm. movie. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the only thing because Star Wars is mostly fine with just things being explained uh, via text. Of course, there are things that you do need to show, like uh, hey, Palpatine's back, but that's a whole different kind of worms. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but oh god, the sequel. But like uh. You know, the if you look at sort of the original trilogy and even the prequels, you see that Star Wars movies are used to starting in media's res, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to the to the fifties serial format that that uh, that George Lucas was originally trying to to ape and create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, uh, I mean, Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, starts with "Oh shit, we're in space," and the entire Clone <laughs> Wars have been happening for ten years. Hope you didn't want to <laughs> yeah, see exactly. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, like with with Obi Wan, it really just feels like they, because um, ha- that's the thing. If this uh, change in format happened early on, I feel like the artifacts wouldn't be there as much. You know, the um, lack of content and the absolutely weird subplots that ha- end up happening. So mm-hmm. I really do believe that this change happened very shortly before it was announced. Um, I I could probably I could see that I mean and it's a shame because I think that unlike Solo this is a movie that everyone really wanted to see yeah um, I think that there was a lot more a hype around the idea of creating this and if we're going based on what is still in this in this version I think it would have made for a much stronger movie overall because they had a really solid uh, heart to it between Vader and Obi Wan because. The, the, the times when I was most invested in this show were the moments where it was just Obi-Wan chilling on Tatooine, like showing his life there, mm-hmm. and then the times when Vader w- and Obi-Wan were together. Because that first fight between them is is really great, and I love the way that it showcases that Obi-Wan has been terribly damaged by what happened at the end of The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And it's really shaken his faith in the Force as a whole. And I love that they don't ever, like, go directly into, like, oh, I don't know that I believe in the Force anymore. Hello there. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> very instead, <good> they're... they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're very willing to just let it show in Ewan McGregor's face and the way that he acts and the choices that he makes that he is at this point in his life questioning everything that he has ever done because it has led him here. And the I think, honestly, the only reason that he has the will to go on is that he knows that Luke is over the the, the rise, you know, and needs his help one day. Mm-hmm. But without that, I genuinely think that he might just go off into the desert and die. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they can convey that with all the subtlety that they do really impresses me. And I, it's just very strange to me that that exists alongside uh, them making decisions like, hey, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've just met this person who, for a living, bilks money out of children and just basically screws them over. You know what my next decision will be? I'm going to trust this man with this child that I have been tasked with retrieving and presumably is one of the few attachments I still have to life itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That that also felt like one of those things where just Disney was like, we need uh, Kumal Nanjiani in it. We need like a funny cameo <laughs> yeah. of like a famous actor. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm not against the idea of having a character that like goes on this journey of, okay, he is one of the biggest pieces of shit imaginable. Someone who is basically 
destroying children's lives and not just normal children, but like children already in some of the worst predicaments you can imagine. We're going to take that guy <laughs> and make him the comedic center of our show. Like, uh, mm, let's <laughs> maybe back off of that idea a little yeah. bit first. Yeah, maybe maybe don't try to make the deportation agency snitch um, <laughs> yeah. your, your comedic guy. But I don't know. I didn't mind him too much because he was not in it for that long. Like he was, mm-hmm. like he, he was a lot in episode two, I want to say, and then again in episode five. Yeah, five. Four and five. He, he yeah. was four. He was in four and five. Some. It, it's not so much that he was in it so much. It was just the fact that of all the people around him, Obi Wan said, "Hey, that guy. Yeah. That's who I'm going to trust with this child." <laughs> ah, Kumail Nanjiani. I love your movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's exactly Very big on Tatooine. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It, it really suffers from this because also these episodes were short as hell. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't feel short, but they were short. Like, uh, the, <laughs> Which is the worst way for it to be. <laughs> exactly, yeah, because it's like um, the usual ep- TV episode length nowadays is around 40 minutes an hour. But then you have episodes three and four, and I think five as well, which barely scratch uh, 35 minutes. And then the mm-hmm, finale mm-hmm. is closer to 50 again. But it's just like, you can tell that they just didn't have the content to fill these episodes, which is a huge shame because I think you could tell a really good story here. Um, and mm-hmm. I think they kind of kneecapped themselves by trying to tell a story about young Leia, um, which yeah, I don't they mind. They definitely did. Yeah, like I, I, I didn't mind her. I thought the child actress did a very good job. Um, and I thought it is nice to sort of see, oh, that's how she met Obi-Wan and that's sort of why she trusts him. Um, which isn't something that needed an explanation, but you know, it's fine. Doesn't. I I don't necessarily, (laughs) okay. I don't really like the, the character or the the actress that they use for this. And that's, I I don't like, I don't want to say that because she's a kid and like Mm -hmm. she's doing her best. And I think that she does do a good job of giving the performance that they probably wanted. Um, but maybe because Leia is a, was a, was played by a short actress, they picked a very small kid mm-hmm. and the way that they played her, she just seemed way more like a six year old than like a 10, 11 year old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that messed with me a lot, especially when so many of the scenes with her are predicated on groups of adults failing to catch her for like five to 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I, I have a small monkey that I chase around every single day. It's not that hard to catch them, guys. <laughs> but but do, um, but do you chase your monkey through a forest that the monkey knows very well? Nearby. If I had one nearby, I definitely would. That would be his ninja training. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I think my issues with Leia are that they're... She is, from moment one, the exact character that I would expect Leia to be. And to some degree, that's off-putting to me just because I would I, if, if you're going to have include this character as a major character in the show I want to see more evolution from her mm-hmm. and it feels like she stepped into life already fully formed as the person who would grow up to be Carrie Fisher and give Darth Vader the greatest monster in the world a whole bunch of shit right to his face mm-hmm. like and so I, I would have liked to see a little more um, a little more like depth or or a, a better starting place for that. But mm-hmm. I think overall, I think that the actress does a good job as, as far as that. I'm not, I'm not good at, at judging um, acting. 
uh, as anyone who's listened to the podcast and heard my opinions on it before will probably <laughs> confirm. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that, that I think that, yeah, at, at the end of the day, I, I just wish that this had been a smaller scale story and a, a story with smaller stakes in some ways, because I feel like that is the opposite of what so many stories are doing right now. So it would have helped it stand out, especially when you have Vader and Kenobi in, in the, the lead roles. It, that their story is extremely personal. Yeah. It, it doesn't need the, the stakes of Leia being the, the person that they're, you know, trying to capture or whatever at the heart of it. it I can see why someone would pick that, but, Star Wars has always had the problem of like everything seems to happen to the same six people. And so dragging her into this only exacerbates that. In exactly. Mind. Like it makes the universe feel really small. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I, I know you're not a fan of the last Jedi, but uh, that's kind of why I like the whole thing with Ray's parents being nobodies because yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want the universe's tale to revolve around, you know, two bloodlines basically. Mm-hmm, for um, sure. And the other thing... I, I definitely agree with that, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say is that I think this mo- this uh, this movie, this uh, series, should have focused <laughs> much more uh, much more uh, on actually, like, following up on the destruction of the Jedi and not as much on, like, setting up A New Hope. Because one mm-hmm. thing that I kept thinking is how cool would it have been... Because we see, like, the path, you know, and the Jedi uh, underground t- uh, tunnel network and whatnot. How cool would it have been if instead of like, focusing so much on trying to save Leia, we would have gotten just Obi-Wan, like, finding a distress signal or picking up a distress signal um, and going to find, like, I don't know, a Jedi who was, like, 15 when Order 66 happened and is now in his 20s and he's trying to, like, gather people. And, he's, you know, he's angry, he's upset, he's traumatized, he doesn't know who Obi-Wan is at the start. And, then you know, you have, like, Obi-Wan managed to build, like, a new relationship, something like that. And then... It all crescendos in the fact that uh, they discovered Empire has sent their uh, Jedi killer. And then, of course, Q Vader and that entire shebang. That would be awesome. You would have a lot of good parallels between Obi-Wan and Anakin there. Like that, Mm -hmm. that would already, yeah, that would, that would kick ass. That would be amazing. And then, of course, Um, Vader has to kill that new Jedi because the turn to the dark side and whatnot. Right. Like that, that Jedi needs to say, like, no, you have to be the one to to raise Luke. Go. I'm going to make the the right choice. You know, give into the light and and be as do the heroic thing and take a last stand against Vader. That would mm-hmm. be that would be really interesting. You could do a lot with that. Yeah, and then have uh, a, you know an Obi Wan fight that is basically the same as what we got in the series, the final one. Mm-hmm. The only the only issue that I have with that fight, I I love it. I think I love how powerful they're making the Jedi now that mm-hmm. they have the technology to really pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um. But the only issue that I have with that fight is that, again, Obi-Wan, I know it'd be real hard for you, but you'd save a lot of lives if you just went ahead and killed him, you know? Yeah, he just leaves. <laughs> yeah, he just pieces again. Like, it's not, in some ways, it's not quite as bad as when he did it on Mustafar. But, like, stop leaving Anakin, like, completely injured at your mercy where he can just, like, heal up and then go save himself. Like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, you know, he he was feeling tired. He needed his juice box and <laughs> Capri yeah. Sun uh, time. Um, <laughs> For sure. Also, one thing that bothered me about this entire series, but especially about the final fight and some of the other fights, is uh, the shaky cam. I really don't think it's a good practice to have, like, your big fight happen while you're filming it with, like, no 
um, no stand, nothing. You're just raw dogging your phone camera. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. I'll have to rewatch it for that. I, I I did not notice that, but now that you've mentioned it, it might it might pop up to me. But yeah, because yeah, I, I think I can see why. Yeah, because I think they use it to like show whenever emotions are high that you know people are confused and in turmoil. Because they do it right at the start in episode one of mm-hmm. uh, the series when you know you have the children training and the camera static and then Anakin enters and starts killing them and uh, the camera yeah, goes yeah. all shaky and they keep doing that and every time I just think I get what you're doing I get a sort of technolized metaphor but it looks like shit I'm sorry like it doesn't look good <laughs> yeah that's fair I'm now probably just gonna imagine someone with a phone cam every time that I see that on 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 screen just like oh oh it's getting emotional world getting star <laughs> world star yeah exactly yeah. Um, but okay, we've, we've bitched. Let's talk about that final fight though. It's so good, man. And like it, so you need that first fight where Obi-Wan got his ass just fucking beat to shit. And, Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that they, they wrecked him so hard in that one because it sets up so well for where he is at the end, where he is, he is calm. He's centered. He's decided what he has to do. He knows he, he believes in the force again. He like, he believes Mm -hmm. that what he's doing is the right thing again. Mm-hmm. And so when he is ready to like take Vader on and Vader has been the most terrifying version of himself, this entire show, like powerful fucking dragon Obi-Wan through the fight, like through literal fire mm-hmm. when, when they're going toe to toe and it's like, it's back to being an even match. I I'm like my, my like Jedi loving heart is just soaring in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I also think, Again, if there's one thing I can praise Disney for and Disney Star Wars is the way they handle lightsaber fights. Because yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the original trilogy's lightsaber fights. Um, I think Empire's final one is pretty good and uh, Return of the Jedi is, um, yeah, it's also fine. But it yeah. feels like it feels very much like the best they could do at the time. It doesn't feel like the true vision of what they were trying to do. Um, yeah, especially in in relation to things like Force Unleashed or like the the Clone Wars TV show, yeah. or the, the especially the shorts. Like the shorts did some crazy shit. Yeah, exactly. And uh, prequels, on the other hand, were like almost weightless in terms of how mm-hmm. they handled fights. Like it was acrobatics. There's that. Oh god, in Revenge of the Sith, there's that ridiculous shot: Obi Wan versus um, Anakin, where they're just twirling their lightsabers behind their backs. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, I knew exactly which one you were going to talk about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like that one's insane. And I love that Disney has taken like a middle approach where it's like it's acrobatic, it's crazy, but it also feels like they're genuinely throwing around like things that weigh. Um, mm-hmm. What What did Lucas say? Eighty pounds, something like that. Like, because um, I also watched the featurette on um, how they were designing laser laser swords. And Hamill was talking about how Lucas kept insisting, guys, these things are heavy. Like, pretend they're heavy. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I really like how Disney's uh, lightsaber fights feel like that. Like, you have... I, I keep thinking of uh, Kylo Ren versus Rey in, like, uh, Force Awakens. Even though that movie mm-hmm. is kind of whatever. That fight is so cool. Because it's just, like... Yeah. It's well choreographed, but it doesn't feel like a circus. And this extends to Kenobi as well, like especially this final fight. It feels like they're doing crazy shit, but they're doing it with things that actually weigh and are physical, which is weird to say about just glow sticks, right? <laughs> right, right, yes. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> I, I, lo- I completely agree. Yeah, and I love how they incorporate the Force. That close-up oh. when uh, Vader fights Reva, and you get the close-up uh-huh. of his hand directing her sword away, 
my mm. girlfriend actually like gasped. She never does yeah. that when we watch stuff. <laughs> Man, it was incredible to see that. Like the the way that they pulled that off was so impressive, and I love that they 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 told a story through the fight because the biggest problem with a lot of modern fights especially very choreographed ones to me is that they are trying to show you cool imagery without telling a story through mm-hmm. the fight yes um and the story that this one tells is that vader <laughs> not only is he is he incredibly powerful much stronger than her he is actively toying with her because he gets off on it mm-hmm. and that is is so evident in just the way that he's like seriously uh, here take your dumb sword back i don't even need it like yes. fuck you <laughs> go fuck yourself <laughs> what are you even doing attacking me <laughs> it's it's so it's so disrespectful the way that he is fighting her and that's what makes it so fun to watch when when he is like and it's especially right after seeing him like rip apart a starship with the force like mm-hmm. that was that was crazy too mm-hmm. um but knowing that he could do the exact same thing to her, and he's just like, no, I'm flipping, I'm flicking away your sword. This is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, you're trying that move. All right, well, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. he, it's so so cool that that honestly, there are parts of that that might be my favorite fight, even over the Obi Wan, despite the level of emotion that I think that the Obi Wan fight brings to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I can the, see just, that. It's it's so good, and yeah, it, this is. This is the kind of of Jedi fighting that I have always wanted to see in in live action. Like this, you're you're right that this is a huge improvement over the first two. Like I, I would I would very strongly defend the Empire Strikes Back fight because I think it is does an excellent job of telling that uh, telling a story as well. Yes, yes. Um, uh, and I would to a lesser degree defend the um, Return of the Jedi fight. Although to be honest, that's because that's my favorite of all of them. And mm-hmm. that is entirely because it was the first one that I saw. And so mm-hmm. I have a, a unhealthy emotional connection to that movie. <laughs> if, I mean, it's Star Wars. It's The whole point is to have an unhealthy emotional connection to it. <laughs> that's, that's very true. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and I really like the original Obi-Wan versus Anakin fight in uh, Revenge of the Sith, specifically because it shows a lot of the highs and lows of what they were going for at that time. Because mm-hmm. I think like the opening segment of that fight when they are just going lightning Ham. fast at each other. Yeah. And yeah. it's like they are you you can feel Anakin desperately trying to kill this guy. And you can feel Obi-Wan desperately just trying to survive, not sure if he is able to, you know, attack him at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh it's and then it gets kind of goofy in some parts of of the middle of it where like they're doing the twirly thing but the one that really gets me in that moment for me is when they both try to do the force push at each other uh-huh. but they don't do like any kind of effect on it it's just two hands very close to each other and them like scrunching their faces up at each other and so <laughs> it, like it needed that like heat haze ripple in between their hands to sell that as it is it just looks super silly to me even sillier than the the spinny thing okay Um, yeah no i get that (laughs) and then you know like there's there's some really cool moments at the end like when they're on the the ropes like swinging at each other doing Mm -hmm. like the almost uh pirate movie type of attack on each other Mm -hmm. that's really fun but then the ending is just so dumb (laughs) (laughs) i have to high ground all right let me just go 15 feet this way all right i've jumped onto equal ground with you let us continue the fight (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no um but 
that, that's the other thing that I do like sort of in uh, going back to the Reva fight because it's the last fight that happens right before we get to um, the next in the next episode, the big fight. And mm-hmm. I do really like how, because you said how Vader is like toying with her. And that's a good thing that Disney has shown with Rogue One, with uh, Jedi Fallen Order and with um, most of Obi-Wan is that it never feels like Vader is exerting himself until that final yeah. fight. Like, I read something that blew my mind. Uh, that last episode of Kenobi is the very first time they recorded, like, new a new grunt, like a new exertion sound for Vader since Return of the Jedi when he uh, fights Luke. Wow. Yeah, because they've always either reused that one or they just never needed one. But, wow. But in... Um, <laughs> like, that does... Yeah, no, I see why that would... Blo- Damn. Yeah, and, oh. and that's why, you know, I saw, like, a comment on YouTube on the clip of their fight where, it's got, where a dude is like, I am so unreasonably excited about the fact that we have new Vader groans. <laughs> new Vader that, groan that, dropped. <laughs> that feels like it's going to get used in a different context. <laughs> oh, absolutely, but hey, you know, we're not here to judge. We're here to criticize, which is also yeah, judgment. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Man, that is... And I also love that the only times that we've seen him actually lose are against people that he has like massive emotional connections to so it's like you can tell that that's maybe even what is the reason that he they're able to beat him at all like if he's if he's fighting ahsoka or if he's fighting with obi-wan like those are the people that can really get to him and disturb his his connection to i think to his own anger Mm because that's what i think makes him so powerful maybe even when he's a jedi is is that he is so furious at everything and when he's a Jedi, like, <laughs> the nice thing about uh, about getting into a fight for him is that, like, you know, he can finally let off some of that emotion, you know? And mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest problem is when a fight ends, he can't kill anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also it really shows very well in that fight with Obi-Wan where his, you know, when he's fighting Reva, his moves look like they're just z- zero effort. You know, he's just sort of dodging. Uh, with, while barely moving his torso. And with Obi-Wan, he's twirling and, you know, he's missing mm-hmm. and overshooting his uh, swipes. And again, he's, you have... He's almost, he's almost going back to his old style of fighting because it's Obi-Wan, it feels like. Oh, yeah. Um, you know... I don't know if you saw oh, that. Right. To say, uh, because you mentioned that Vader almost goes back to his Anakin moves. Um, the fight they have uh, at the end of episode six... Uh, of this mm-hmm. show is almost one to one in certain places with the fight they have as a flashback the episode before. Nice. Yeah. I thought that might be the case when I was watching it. I hadn't gone back to check and see if that's that's accurate, but I'm really glad that it is. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. That's super cool. And also, I don't know, it's just cool to see Darth Vader struggle. Um mm-hmm. and of course, um it's very cool to see the force, you know, show off like this, you know, when Obi-Wan does the whole anime thing. The rocks floating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's so, like, just that, I just want just, like, a gif of him just, like, holding up all the rocks and just being like, all right, let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's fucking uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. Partly because that's so different to how Obi-Wan tends to be. He is not the, like, let's go, let's go fight type of guy. But when he is ready to kick ass, it really feels like he's going going to pound town, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's the wrong, that's the, the worst phrase hey, to use there. Look, <laughs> look, man, when it's time to go to pound town, that's where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but um, also... One thing I really do like um, about the finale, obviously, of the fight is when uh, his helmet is broken, 
That's mm -hmm. uh, the ex if I'm not mistaken, that's the exact other side of the helmet that Ahsoka breaks when they fight, right? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. And I like how oh. in both of those instances we have a character trying to reach Anakin and failing, and then the one person who reaches him, which is Luke, is the only one to actually take the helmet off properly. Oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> the 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 only problem is that my head immediately went to well no in the Force Unleashed they got his whole helmet off but I'm not going to count that I'm not gonna well that. <laughs> Force Unleashed is pre Disney so True. it's in True. that uh, it's canon if you really want it to be territory <laughs> I trust me I really want it to be <laughs> oh dude Star Killer so cool that would be a show I would watch the shit out of if they did a Star Killer show and just followed the events of that game I would be so on board it would mm -hmm. be amazing oh. In general, just Gosh. make more shows about people with lightsabers and make them actually mm -hmm. use their lightsabers instead of spending three episodes following Leia around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. And I mean, like, I I was not inv interested when The Mandalorian first started, but mm -hmm. I think that show showed that you really can do a lot with this this property and, and stuff that isn't necessarily um, uh, Jedi-centered. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do yeah. have Baby Yoda, but it's not like the focus is not the Force the mm -hmm. way that it is tends to be when there's Jedi. I mean, I want more Jedi because that's what I come to Star Wars for. Mm -hmm. But I, I I think that they showed that you can really make that work when you don't start trying to cram in all these extra characters that like you're trying to build hype for when just because they're characters we've seen before. Like, do new shit. That's yeah. what made the Mandalorian stand out so well is that and the quality of the writing was really high. Just do that. Just do yeah. that a couple more times, guys. That's all I'm I think, asking for. I think, honestly, one of the best pieces of Star Wars media is that one episode of Mandalorian that is almost completely separate from the plot where they're just mm -hmm. in this uh, swamp village and they realize yeah. that there is an, an, a decommissioned... Uh, is it an ATAT or an ATST? Yeah, it's an AT -AT. Yeah, I think an AT -AT. It's, No, it is an ATST. Yeah, you're okay. right. Because you're right, ATATs yeah. are the big, really big ones. Yeah, it's a decommissioned, like half-broken ATST, and even then it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's also why I like Rogue One because uh, I rewatched as well, and I actually kind of liked it way more than I expected. Because the even the boring parts of the movie, they're always about showing you how immensely difficult it is as a regular person to do anything against the Empire. Like how mm. just existing in this world with space wizards and with the evil Empire is a huge problem for anyone who isn't a wizard. Like the closest we get is the um, the monk who can sort of use the Force, but not really. He, he can like feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then at the end, you get to see Vader. And there is one shot, and it's not the one everyone thinks about. It's one shot that just stuck with me, which is when um, he first uses the Force. He uses it to take one of the soldiers and, like, crush him against the ceiling. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. in the background, there's just one soldier that stares at it and drops his gun. That, to <laughs> me... Like, fuck. Yeah, that, to me, is the thesis statement of, Rogue's, uh, of Rogue One. It's... All of the, these struggles, and you just, you're just faced with this awful realization that there's so much bigger stuff out there, and you're paralyzed with fear in the face of it, but nonetheless, you have to move on, because it's that soldier that then gives the code to Leia, or to the one oh, behind the door. nice. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, that's, oh, like that's, sort that. of, that's sort of how Rogue One has redeemed itself for me, that, you know, yeah, sure, a lot of the characters are kind of forgettable, and yeah... Parts of that movie are really boring, but I feel like that in turn just strengthens strengthens the fact that Vader is so terrifying. That it's like yeah. Vader doesn't have to do any of that shit. He just shows up and he murders people. And it's mm -hmm. also cool because it's the only time you see a lightsaber in that movie. 
Um, and yeah, it sort of emphasizes. True. So that's the thing. I just want shit that recontextualizes the Force and the Jedi as not just a gimmick, but like, you know, an actual force in the universe, like a religion, a cult, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm so excited if we do get like these movies by uh, Taika Waititi in the High Republic. I feel like that would be really cool. Um, I will be I will be very interested to see what he does because I I have a lot of issues with um, his Thor movies, which is the only things that I've seen by him so far. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intended to watch more of his stuff. I really want to see uh, what we do in the shadows because I've heard really good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful that he can bring his his humor to it and do a little less of the like undersell the epic moment for the sake of a joke thing that I feel like I see a lot from him. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's honestly uh, I've seen. Well, uh, I've seen quite a few of his things, um, although it's been a while. And one thing I've noticed is that that underselling of the joke seems to be very specific to the Thor movies to me. Okay, good. good. Um, which kind of feels like it's a it's a Marvel mandate almost, like to stay yeah, in could, touch with like the that. Marvel uh, thing. Like, I mean, Jojo Rabbit, obviously it's a it's a comedy, um, but it's also like weirdly nuanced in places, and it doesn't like shy away from just like, okay, yeah, this character is like suffering a horrible fate. And there's virtually nothing our characters can do about it, and neither can you, Mister Audience. Mm. Interesting. Which, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the furthest thing imaginable from his Thor movies, as someone who really like likes his Thor movies. Um, <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> uh, I'm I am interested to see what he'll do with uh, Love and Thunder. I think that that may change the way I see things. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I just think Star Wars absolutely just needs people at the helm who actually want to write a story and not sell toys. Yes. And I think that what I want, like, I really want, um, I have, I have huge, huge issues with The Last Jedi, but I desperately want Ryan Johnson to get to do his trilogy. I think that he really, in some ways, does understand what makes Star Wars great and what makes it work. I just have issues with what he chose to do in that particular movie. But if you give him a, a, a trilogy that's set in some other time period without these characters, I think I will love what he comes out with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want... Man, I just want some more good Star Wars again. Because it yeah. felt like for a long time we were on a, a good track of like things getting better, things getting good. And then Disney has had some hits and had some misses, but it feels like they're almost scared. And because they're scared of, of failures like Solo, I think they are hesitant to do the thing that they really need to do, which is get out of this rut and do new things. Yeah. Um, like, like the Star Wars Visions thing, has some of the best Star Wars I've seen anywhere. And it a lot of it doesn't feel like what George Lucas did. It doesn't feel like anything I've seen in any other Star Wars property, but it is Star Wars to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, this is, this is a ridiculous comparison, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> okay. For me, Star Wars is kind of like Monster Hunter, where okay. it's like, it doesn't matter how it's done, but the core appeal of it, the simple core idea is so good that i don't care what version of it i'm watching as long as you tap tap into what makes it good it will always be an enjoyable experience like i'm playing a uh, monsanto one right now and that game's dog shit don't touch it um <laughs> but i'm still having a blast because the core loop of like oh you fight a dragon and then you make a hat out of its skull and then you fight a bigger dragon and then you make a hat off with its with its skull you know it's yeah a fundamentally cool idea and it's the same with star wars like the idea of this vast universe with so many different like alien races and you have the force and the space wizards and laser swords like Mm -hmm, these things are mm -hmm. inherently cool like um 
I'm sure you didn't need to convince um, your your son that lightsabers are cool, right? No, no, nope, it just <laughs> happened. <He> also, knew. <laughs> also, let me, let me stop calling him your son. His name's uh, Jamie, right? <laughs> yeah, Jamie. Okay, good. I I've only referred to him as as my monkey that I chase around. So <laughs> you're not you're not doing bad by calling him my son. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, he has a name, right? So <laughs> he does. It's yes. just right. Um, but yeah, so there's just something innately good about it, and you just have to tap into it. But the problem Star Wars has to me is that they cannot imagine a Star Wars without relying on the nitty-gritty of it, without relying on the Hans and the Lukes and the Skywalkers. And it's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no, the good part is the universe. The good part is the concept. You don't need to be shackled to Skywalkers. And that's, I think, yeah. the problem with Rise of Skywalker. I think it's kind of the problem with Kenobi, where it like circles back to Luke and Leia, even though it really didn't mm -hmm. need to. Um, yeah. So yeah, give me something weird. Give me something kooky. I, I completely agree with that. Because the for all the sequel's faults, there is one shot that, I mean, and a lot of people don't like it, uh, but it, it has stuck with me, and it has been sort of what I think about when I think about what Star Wars could be, and it's that little kid at the very end of The Last Jedi, yeah. you know, walking around, and, you know, we've seen him before, we have had no indication that there's anything special about him at all, but he just reaches out and picks up the broom with the, with the, with the Force, and it's like something about that and him staring up at the night sky really evokes that feeling that i get when luke is staring at the two sons on tatooine yes There's something about that like longing for great adventure and this hint of magic that is right there at your fingertips that is is just beautiful and i i want more of what that makes me feel mm -hmm. speaking of the last jedi actually i in preparation for this also looked into sort of its development and sort of ryan johnson's um you know post partum uh situation <laughs> with it and one thing yeah. that's really stuck out to me is how everyone besides johnson johnson is a very nice person who doesn't speak ill of anyone it seems but everyone aside from him on the team pretty much identifies the problem not in ryan but in jj in abrams because really yes because the problem is that the whole thing about luke you know being this scathed um old well grumpy dude isn't something Ryan came up with. It's something that J.J. Abrams set up in uh, The Force Awakens with, you know, the whole thing that, oh, Luke is out there. He's hiding despite knowing that there's so much suffering happening. How do you explain mm -hmm. that? He must be, you know, just either he doesn't care or he's doing something immensely important. And during the production, J.J. Uh, Abrams, when he gave the mantle to Ryan Johnson, he had no notes, nothing about what the solution to that question was actually supposed to be. Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. just set up Luke, doesn't want to help people, Figure it out, Ryan. Good luck. And so on and a lot of... That's always been JJ's big problem is that he is excellent at asking a fascinating question that he has no clue what a good answer is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and this is something you can actually hear on the like um, Blu-ray commentary for The Last Jedi. You have Ryan saying that in his words, um, he kind of was at a crossroads with it because what do I do when I have such a baffling character development for Luke at hand? You know, Luke, the savior, deciding not to save in force awakens and just fucking mm -hmm. off to an island and so he decided to ironically do the safe thing um and try to the way he says it is draw a straight line from the points that um jj had given me mm, and yeah and yeah. yeah that's like i think that was ultimately a mistake i i do like the direction it went to but the last jedi has issues but i do genuinely believe now that i've sort of looked into this that <sighs> 
Ryan did as well as he could have with what he had, and he told an interesting story to me. Um, I will and- say this. I think that to me, one of the big problems is that the the last Jedi told a story that people didn't want to hear, but told it extremely well, which mm-hmm. means it had even more impact than it would have had if it was a bad story. I think if it was a bad story, everyone could have just written it off and, and it would have been, you know, okay, that was that thing that happened. But because mm-hmm. it so effectively shows who Luke has become in that moment, it really drives it home in a way that a, that a good story, only a good story can. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I really want to go back in time now and give him my idea on how to fix that with, and make it a little more palatable to everyone, which is just mm-hmm. to be like, okay, Luke can't use the force. So he's hiding because not because he's a coward necessarily, but because he knows that there's a spark of hope that exists as long as Luke Skywalker is out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, if he let, uh, if he let, um, Kylo kill him then it would, it, one, it would have hope go away for everyone throughout the, the, the galaxy. Everyone would know, oh, they've killed Luke. There's no hope left. And at the same time, it would also be like, and I also wouldn't be kind of haunting him over his shoulder of like, no, Luke's out there somewhere, and maybe there's hope for me to go back, or maybe there's something that I need to go, you know, go all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by having it just be a choice that he's like, nah, fuck it. it. It turns him into the character that he is, which is a character I can't stand. But it does it, s- it very well is, is mm-hmm. the ultimate point of that. Yeah, because I think it's one of those... Because, again, I think this is where sort of our um, origins with Star Wars differ greatly. Because, obviously, you um, you talked about how you grew up with... Or at least <laughs> the, were very... The, hmm? the very first thing that I saw of Star Wars was Luke on the sail barge in Return of the Jedi catching his lightsaber, turning it on, and going to town. Like, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's hard to have a, a more central character to to my Star Wars journey than Luke. Yeah, exactly. So obviously this is sort of where we, where we split a little bit. But to me, what made The Last Jedi work was just the fact that it felt, you know, the whole thing with uh, George Lucas that, oh, Star Wars is like a, po- like a, a poem. It rhymes or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's sort of, fulfilled that promise by having Luke not fall necessarily, but stumble and really yeah. sort of have to tackle with the idea of what do I do once my hero's journey is done? Um, yeah, how do yeah. I move on from that? And I liked that even though it was seeped in cynicism, the ending is just unabashedly hopeful. You know, you have mm-hmm. him uh, do an extremely unique and uh, very impressive feat of the force and then he just gets to move on. And I just thought that that was really, really nice, sort of also when contrasted with uh, Anakin and his journey. And of course, yeah, as, a, as a literature student, I very much appreciate Star Wars, you know, the series that's basically founded the hero's myth, at least in the way it's been um, canonized within literature, to that, that then goes on to ask, but what, when, what to do once the hero's journey is over? Like, I just appreciated yeah. to take that um, that spin on it. Um, I think, honestly, that kind of story would have been better as, like, a... Not a standalone movie, but, like, as a side movie. Not necessarily as, like, a main flick. Because, obviously, it's... The fact is, The Last Jedi is something you have to argue about. And people don't like that when they want to just go to the movies and have a fun time. And yeah, I sure. can totally see, you know, people going in, w- wanting to see Luke Skywalker again after 30 years... And he throws a lightsaber away and drinks blue milk. Like, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> and is a dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've veered quite, like, what, uh, multiple years into the future after <laughs> Kenobi? 
Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. But just a little I, bit. I always expected this uh, conversation to, to meander. Um, I do have to, unfortunately, uh, cut it here, though, because I, I have to go back to work. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, this has been a blast, though. We should do it again when uh, something else Star Wars comes out. Oh, absolutely. Um, when's the next Star Wars anything coming out, though? That is an excellent question that I don't have the answer to. <laughs> but when it happens, you and I will be there. We'll talk about it, and it'll be fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, remember, you can go find Oceans at uh, on YouTube. It's Ocean and then IZ or just Z? Uh, IZ. Okay, Oceans, Ocean IZ. Uh, yes. Search that. You'll find some excellent content on a variety of topics from Monster Hunter to uh, My Hero Academia and other things that begin with the letter M. Yes. Um, <laughs> this has been a blast, man. I had a really good time. And uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, I don't know how to end this when it's uh, not a normal thing, so I'm just going to say it's over. when it's time to go to pound town that's where we're going <laughs>